result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Okay, so obviously over the past couple of years, transgender issues have come to the forefront of public conversation. I knew that I wanted to have a conversation about these issues and certain things that I was curious about, questions and ideas that I wanted to express that I knew kind of push the boundaries and are things you are not maybe supposed to talk about. So when I thought about having this conversation, the first person that came to my mind was Lee. Lee and I went to school together since we were kids. We've known each other forever. Were we the best of friends? No, I'm not going to pretend that we were. But we have always had an interesting relationship with each other. I've always had such respect and admiration for him as a person. I think he is one of the most warm and kind and genuine people. And I always have felt like him and I were a little similar in the sense that we have such (laughs) a dark sense of humor. The way that we express our jokes, I feel like they're not appropriate and they're shocking and they're just funny. And I think that we both share that in common. And I've always just admired his ability to unapologetically be who he is, even before the transition. There's just so much about him that I've always enjoyed. And we've run into each other briefly over the past, uh, I don't know, what has it been, 10 years since we graduated high school? Ugh, I didn't want to think about that. But we've run into each other quite a few times in various places, and it's always been such a positive experience. And I always walk away from him thinking how nice it is that we've run into each other and how we should keep in touch more, blah, 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 blah. So when I thought about having this conversation and I had seen that he had gone through this transition, I thought he was the perfect person to talk to because I know enough about him to know that he is open and he's not one to sit here and play this like fake outrage or be offended by things. And I knew I could sit down and have an open, honest conversation that might be informative and educational to people who may not have a trans person in their life or understand these issues and clear up some things that I don't really understand from an outside perspective. Because as much as I can support something that I'm not, I can't really understand something I'm not from personal experience because I don't have that. I also thought speaking to someone who transitioned from female to male rather than male to female would be a little more interesting because I feel like that topic and those conversations are less covered by the media or less spoken about publicly because the conversation always seems to revolve around men who have transitioned into women and how women feel about that and women's safety and all this stuff, right? And not that I don't think that's important, but I just wanted to hear someone speak from a different perspective that doesn't feel so played out at this point and so performative. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. I think it was so informative and so easy to have. Um, I would like to leave a disclaimer before the one lunatic wants to come at me in the fucking comments or my inbox. I did speak to Lee before we sat down for the interview, and there were some ideas I wanted to pose to him before we sat down to make sure that he was comfortable, because I do know that in the trans community, there are certain topics and certain things that make people uncomfortable talking about, such as their old name or their old gender or certain questions about surgeries or whatever it is. I know that there's very sensitive topics that sometimes people don't feel comfortable 
with speaking about. So I did want to make sure that he was comfortable with all of that before we actually sat down to talk rather than put him on the spot. So just know that that was a conversation that was had before the conversation that you're going to hear. And I didn't want to include it during the interview because I just feel like that's weird and it's really none of anyone's business. But I know how this shit goes. God forbid I don't say that I cleared some of the shit with him before I spoke to him about it. These fucking loony bins will be all over my ass and I don't fucking need it. Not at the beginning of the new year. Not at our fresh start. Fuck off. So I hope that everyone takes something from this conversation. I think it's really interesting to get in his head and and listen to the lived experience. Another point I thought was so interesting about him versus other people that I could have spoken to was that he's lived the majority of his life as a female and has only recently transitioned in his late 20s. So I think to have physically lived in a woman's body for so long and now transition as a grown adult versus the cases that we're hearing are more common where people are doing so in their late teens and early 20s. I think that that experience of doing something like that a little further into your life is quickly becoming less common. So to hear from someone who has had a different experience than the ones that I'm seeing online or reading about or people that I meet, whatever it is, was so much more interesting to me. So yeah, I hope everyone takes something from this and maybe learn something from this. And starts to realize that people are just people trying to be happy, you know, trying to live their life the way that feels the most authentic to them. Are there lunatics who are not that way? A hundred percent. And that's in every group of people. But I do think that this has become such a political issue when in fact it's just a human issue. And I think that this conversation will highlight that a little bit. So yeah, enjoy. All right. So we were talking about how it's taken us 95 years to get here and sit down and have this conversation. And now we just realized that the first four minutes of our conversation was not even being recorded. So that was great. Um, and I just like started thinking about having this conversation. And you were the first person that popped in my mind mm -hmm. because I just always have valued you as a person. And although we've been friendly throughout our years of going to school together and we've run into each other a few times in our adult life. Obviously, you know, we're not best friends, mm -mm. but I've always admired you and valued you as a person. And I always love running into you and kind of like watching your life through social media. And mm -hmm. I think that's the fun part of it oh, yeah. is when you don't get to see someone all the time, but you kind of know what's going on in their life. That's like the positive part about it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of um, shithole parts about it, but you know, whatever. But, the, but we got the good parts of social media of like 3am gremlining over like, what is this one person doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And sometimes it's someone I don't even know. No, My favorite is I'll click on the profile picture and keep going back to like see when I like was hanging out with them or like knew them closely yeah. and watching what happened and being like, huh. So that's where your hair went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so thankful to have just turned 30 and still have my hair. As I'm losing. God mine. bless me. Yeah. <laughs> well, testosterone. <laughs> you know what? I don't have all that much going for me physically. It's my hair and my ass. So mm -hmm. I got to take what I can get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Listen, at least it keeps you comfy. Yes, it, it you does. Comfy and bringing the bringing everyone in keeps my head warm. So I'm so excited that we're finally here to sit down and have this conversation. This is the first time I've met you as Lee. Yes. So nice to meet you. Let's start with talking about growing up. Okay. So you were born female. Yes. Alicia is who I knew you as until your late twenties. Yes. How old were you when you first remember questioning or struggling with your gender identity? And what was that like? Hmm. Well, I think a lot of it was, you know, I was probably like three or four. So there I am. I remember I would have I loved going to like soccer. I was terrible at it. I was actually (laughs) they kept trying to put me in the goalie because I wouldn't do anything on the field. Mm -hmm. I would be sooner doing tumble salts and like chasing the butterflies. As a goalie, they'd have to have a parent on each side trying to get me to fucking focus. <laughs> but I, beyond that, I would I'd go from like Sunday school and have to go to soccer practice. I remember the entire time in Sunday school being so itchy in that little dress, the little tights, mm-hmm. and being like, I don't like this. There's something about this that feels wrong. Mm-hmm. And being in the backseat as we're driving there, trying to change as fast as possible. Like, I wasn't even waiting till we got to the field. Right. And then watching throughout my life, or at least that hindsight is 2020, looking back on those little moments where it wasn't the direct that we might hear people of like, oh, you know, this is the moment. It was like, oh, wait, I hated, you know, being female here, here, here. I'm going to fight for any way to be seen as male. Mm hmm but not really understand the language or put the language to, oh, wait, yeah, no, I am a man. Right. It was, I remember it'd be like, it's like the tomboy phase that, you know, everyone is going to stereotype from. Then I'm, you know, going to go much more mask throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, you know, this isn't just me idolizing certain men for it. I don't, it's not just that I want to fuck them. I want to be them. Right. So you were how old when you started transitioning? Um, I only started in, I would say, January 21 is when I s- finally got my um, testosterone script. So was that 28? Yeah, I was about 28. Um, a few months prior is I started to really put the pieces together. I probably started really debating it in 2020. Mm-hmm. Th- thanks COVID shutting us down, <laughs> making me question everything about my life, like everyone else probably around. Right. And yeah, that was when I guess I officially medically started transitioning. Okay. But in 2020 was where I really started putting the pieces together. So once again, that 27, 28 is mm-hmm. the, the formal out of the gender closet. What stopped you from beginning to transition earlier? Uh, a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of fear. I didn't know how other people would perceive me, my family, if it would do anything to my family, what it would mean. So I had been in, I had gotten engaged earlier in the year mm-hmm. to my lovely, lovely husband, Max, where I'm sure I'm going to ooze about him later. <laughs> um, I didn't know what it would mean for him. And there was just mostly safety concerns, which mm-hmm. is kind of fucked if you think about yeah. it. But within that, I just kind of kept pushing away of like, okay, maybe I'm just, you know, just super masculine. And nope. <laughs> Who was the first person you told? Uh, Max, 100%. I remember like when I really pieced it together and was like making the decision to come out, I was lying in bed, we were hanging out. And I'm like, hey, remember how you thought you were going to get a wife next year? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, are you trying to... He's, he's thinking I'm like leaving him or something. Yeah. And I'm like, psych, you're getting like a husband sort of? And he's like, 
all right. Like literally as if I just said, I want cookies for breakfast. Right. Like, okay. Like he's like, what does that look like? What do you want to do? What does this mean to you? Right. So he was probably the easiest person to come out to. I want to dive a little more into that as far as your relationship, because I think that that's a really interesting topic. And it's one I'm always curious about Mm -hmm. when I see other people's relationships, whether Mm -hmm. it's on social media, Mm -hmm. on TV. Obviously, now there's a lot more of a spotlight on transgender issues. Right. Way more so than in the past and when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. We didn't really have that kind of public facing conversation. Um, so I've seen a lot of people's relationships where they are with someone for a long period of time and then one person chooses to transition. Yes. And I'm always interested, well, what does that mean for the other person with how they identify as far as their sexuality? Mm. So how does Max, if you're comfortable answering, yeah. identify with his sexuality? So it's kind of funny. So years prior in my early, you know, I think I was in like 2021 is when I had come out. I think I said bye. I just say queer. Like, I'll, I will fuck anyone probably if I wasn't <laughs> with him. He, as we were, as he was kind of figuring himself out with there, he will sometimes use the, the term pan. He's also of, I prefer the person over the genitals. Mm-hmm. Like the sex, we can figure that out at another time. But Regardless, I just like the person. Right. So for him, that's why also he might have had a neutral response. Got it. Well, you've also been together since high school or before? Um, uh, no. So we are we started dating in March of 2008. Right. So, yeah, mid-freshman year. That's when, yeah, I had broken up with someone else, which, you know, 14-year-olds. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, him and I got together a week later, once again, 14-year-olds. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just stuck to each other like glue. That's so crazy. And to go through all of that together after all these years of being together and to come out on top is so amazing. Mm. So was that the first time this like 2020, 2021 period? Is that the first time that you expressed to him that you were struggling with your identity and looking to Mm. figure that out and explore it a little more? I think a lot of it, I will cover some of either my brain goop, my gender, a lot of things that usually people might see as taboo with a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. So I'm I would make, a, yeah, I would make a lot of jokes about it. You know, you know, I'm the man I do this, like trying to take on those fifties gender roles, but like swap them all over the place. And I, w- you know, we'd make a lot of jokes about, you know, once again, getting rid of my breasts, getting rid of this, you know, what mm-hmm. if this, I, I, I'm almost wondering if a part of me was like gauging if that would be okay. Right. So that was me kind of like touching around. Right. Like, he would always say, like, I remember when we were younger, you know, we would always talk about how you wanted to get a breast reduction. Right. Even when I was, like, 14, like, 15, 16, he's like, this is just, you know, a little bit more than just a reduction. Right. So, he has always been, like, super chill about it. Then then again, I can't think of many things he's unchill about. Right. So, it hasn't caused any difficulty in your relationship? Not at all. That's awesome. I think that's an incredible part of your relationship too to have somebody who's so open and so supportive mm-hmm. because i'm sure as much as you know him so well and to be so easygoing mm-hmm. i'm sure it had to be scary oh, yeah. to have that conversation and i'm sure there's some thoughts and worry about like what if this person who i'm in love with and planning to marry and have been with for so long doesn't accept what i want to do mm-hmm. where do i go from there exactly because we had been together at that point for about 12 13 years He's all I knew. We, right. we essentially grew up together. Right. And the thought of losing him over a choice that maybe I could have stuffed 
was, I almost thought like, is that the better option? And then I'm like, wait, am I just not giving him enough credit for our relationship? Right. You know, if I want to be happy, especially like, you know, before I had come out, I was in probably one of the worst months of my life. I had hit such a low. I was hospitalized for my mental health twice within 30 days, Mm -hmm. one of them for a suicide attempt. And I'm like, am I going to just keep going through this cycle and cycle again? Because I don't know and I can't figure myself out. I'm taking this leap of faith. I'm going to, I have a 95% chance he's going to say, okay, let's just run with it. Right. And then he was super cool coming out. And as we were kind of figuring out the ins and outs, he's funny. He's a little researcher. So he was getting on, he'll look up little things about how do we do that? What does this look like? Mm -hmm. To a point that even though he is terrified of needles, when my insurance stopped covering testosterone gel and I had to get injections, he could start to see I was getting kind of like squidgy about it. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'll do it for you. I got you. So now every Friday I get strapped down and he's like, are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) We have a whole process. We put on the music. I look back at it. He's like, you're ready. I'm like 45 degree angles. because That's how you're supposed to put it in. That's funny. (laughs) And now we just add every other week to Humera because as you said, your body's fucked. Mine's fucked. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like um, I always love whenever I've been at the doctors or in the hospital and they have to take blood. Mm -hmm. I always love watching. I find it fascinating, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I could do it myself. Oh, no. I don't know if I could put the needle in there myself. I absolutely could not. I have I have had to had my blood taken from me many, many times for either when I was checking on medication and I have rolling veins, too, when it comes to taking veins. What does that mean? So it's like if you put a needle in the arm and the vein is like, ha ha, you fool, and like moves, it like <laughs> literally just like shifts its oh ass over. So they have to take it out of my hand. Mm. So it's so I get to watch. It's just like, boop. I feel like I'm in like some sort of sci-fi adventure. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Even your veins are fucked up. Oh, yeah. Everything about me. I am literally just a walking flesh of goo. <laughs> I feel the same way. I just kind of like hide it under hairspray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, was your family accepting of your choice initially? Um, My mom was really, she was like, I could understand, you know, the process, you know, I could piece it together, but I don't know what to do. It wasn't so much how a lot of people say, like, it's a mourning process. Like, I'm still the same person I was all those years ago, but it's like, how do I reshift the language? How do I reshift this? Right. So I think for her, it had taken, you know, as far as records go, I think within a couple weeks of her getting used to it mm-hmm. and having a lot of gentle guidance right. was really helpful. My stepdad, you know, at first I was thinking maybe it's more like non-binary than trans man. And he's like, oh, two spirit. And I'm like, eh, you're close enough, man. We'll, right. we'll work on it. Right. My dad, we're still, kind of, I think he is very accepting. He just also, you know, the brain has the dumb. So he needs, once again, gentle guidance. Mm-hmm. What I've always really liked is they're open to conversation. They're the ones who helped guide me for a lot of things in my life where there is this idea that people within like, you know, the alphabet mafia, the LGBT community and otherwise it's you can't ask me questions. You have to educate yourself. I don't need this like mental like like the energy taken out of me. I think that's a double edged sword Mm -hmm. because as we know, the Internet has great things and fucking awful things. Right. So like this here, I'd rather people ask questions. I can give my opinions, be talk about the process, then someone click a link and it winds up giving you the worst misinformation right. on the planet. So it was just a lot of just open-ended questions. 
them just getting to better understand. I used the word choice mm-hmm. when I asked you that question. Right. Do you feel like it was your choice? Because that's a common debate and conversation. Obviously, you made the choice to physically start the mm-hmm. transition. But at the time that you did that, what was the level of intolerable that you felt continuing to live as a woman would be? Oh, it, it felt like hell. There were, it's kind of like, Every time you look at yourself, it's like this weird dissociation Mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't see myself at any of it. I'm so disgusted. It's almost like how people view when we look at eating disorders. Okay. That body dysmorphia of they see themselves as like 300 pounds when they're really like 60. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at myself where nothing meets up and I'm like, I can't live like this. I can't do this and feel like I can walk about while just being me. Right. So... I wouldn't say it's it's the choice is more so do I want to be happy? Mm-hmm. You can't like say, you know, it's a choice for like mentally like just shut off the gender button. Right. Well, just as with sexuality as well. You can't shut off who you like. Right. You're just going to look and the pee gets hard. The pee gets hard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That might be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Has your relationship with your family changed at all? Um. Not so much, I would say. Um, I I would say my mom, she will, we make a lot of jokes around the house as well. So with, you know, me transitioning, there's always this long running joke now that she's the only woman in the house because mm-hmm. I live in a basement uh, apartment. I'm a little gremlin down there. Up there is my mom, my stepdad and my stepbrother. Then me and Max downstairs. So mm-hmm. she's like, I'm the only woman. It's the only source of estrogen. And I'm right. like, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> it's mostly because a lot of my family is based on humor. Um, and once again, just a lot of open conversations has really been my saving grace. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have on both sides a pretty progressive family. Okay. They, they'll they be like, I don't fully understand, but it makes you happy. So we'll just roll with the punches. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's such an important part when you're going through something like that or anything, I guess, when you have that support, Mm -hmm. especially in a situation where you have to like come out to people. Oh, yeah. And then to be treated with respect and support, Mm -hmm. I feel like makes what's difficult that much easier. The fun is for certain family members, I came out to them, I think, in the worst way possible. Why is that? Um, we, they found out when I sent my wedding reception invitation, (laughs) 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 like the only hope they had was on the back was a picture of us. I think was like ninth, 10th grade. Mm -hmm. It's just a throwback photo. They just see, you know, cause we eloped and then several months later we had like a little brunch party. Right. Um, but yeah, they just see like, you know, my name and then Max's, which by the way, he changed his last name. Right. I wanted to talk about yeah. that as well. So he changed his last name. So all they see and they're like, who the fuck are these people? Who are these people? And I'm like, and I was like, hey, mom, by the way, I sent him out. I did this. You get to talk to your parents. You get to talk to them. Wait, your- so your extended family oh. met you as the new you for the first time at your wedding re- and at your wedding reception? Um, most of them, yes, because once again, it was in the pandemic. That is nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of them had not seen me for quite some time because our reception was in July of 21. Mm-hmm. So like some so we of were the- just getting back to oh, like socializing. We got so lucky for that because when we eloped in May 21, the week before is when in New York City, they opened up like mm-hmm. going to restaurants, doing yeah. all of that stuff. So we got to have the full experience there. By the time July hit, 
you know, the masking mandate was a little lifted. It right. was much easier. Most of the reception was everyone just catching up. There was right. barely any dancing and I was happy for it. Right. And yeah, they just saw me in my like little like I did like the blazer, the jeans, because we also we don't do very dressed up. Mm-hmm. Like you ain't putting my ass in a suit unless I really <laughs> need to. So I wound up, you know, having a black shirt. I had a white blazer. Max had like a navy one, and we just kept it really. I remember chill. I saw the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So did anyone in your family who met you for the first time again mm-hmm. at your wedding react in a way that was less than favorable? Um, no. Um, although. I think a lot of them, they had this time to think. They didn't really, there still was this confusion. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it, especially with Long Island House, like, will be nice to your face, talk behind your back. Right, of course. I don't know if they ever did. And Mm -hmm. if they did, whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. Yeah. But it was just like, they see me. Mind you, also during the pandemic, almost every couple months, I changed my hair color. Okay. So it was like, which hair color am I walking into? (laughs) And thankfully at that point, I just did like a silvery gray to keep neutral instead right. of like the seafoam green or like right. bright ass colors. But they were like, oh, you look nice. Oh, wow, this. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't when I started growing like thicker facial hair or there were a lot of comments on my voice Okay, of when my silicone balls dropped. Okay, so, got it. So it was mostly that stuff where they had to take a minute to click it. And readjust. Yeah. yeah. But beyond that, they knew that if they were going to have something to say, don't do it at my own party. Yeah. It's my party and especially, I'll cry if I want to. Especially at your wedding. Yeah. Of all days. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the last name thing because yeah. you guys changed your last name to something that's different than yeah. either one of your, mm-hmm. we'll call it maiden names, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better word. What brought that about? So, you know, not to speak for him too much, Max has an, has had a fucking awful relationship with his dad okay probably since the day he popped out of his mama's womb okay um hasn't really spoke to him in a very long time because of stuff that happened when he was younger Mm -hmm. and while i think yeah once again we were going to be around i I was in college at the time when we made the decision that we didn't want to continue that name going anywhere okay so we took the opportunity to take his mother's maiden name wasser okay and then he wound up because his middle name was also associated loosely with his dad. Mm-hmm. He wound up changing his middle name as well to his grandmother's maiden name. Okay. So we just completely shifted the thing. All right. Where for him, it was a harder process to get the name changed right. than mine. Where his took like months on months. Mine took three hours. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. Oh, this is one of the things that I was really appreciative when it comes to. So right before, you know, Cuomo did whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Um, he had signed a bill in June of this year where when I go to get a name change, if one of the reasons is because I'm trans, they don't, I don't have to publish my name in the paper. Right. Because if someone sees that, it could be grounds for hate, grounds for anything right. else. Discrimination. It could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So all I did, walk and send the paperwork. I went to the judge. They signed off on it. It's like, all right, we're done. Great. And he's like, my shit got lost getting it in the paper, doing all this. It took me almost a year. Your ass walked in, walked out. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm lucky. That sucks (laughs) for him. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay, so explain the process of transitioning because I know it's different for each person Mm -hmm. and some people take different steps. So what was your experience from when you started to now? Um, So it was, it's almost like I tried to do everything at once. Mm -hmm. So socially transitioning, um, I just kind of like started talking to work a little bit, 
letting them know, like, I want to go by this name. This is, you know, pronouns. Um, essentially, just let them know, like, what's going on and that I plan on doing this. If you like it, great. If not, I guess I'll hightail my ass out of here. You already have a high enough turnover rate as possible. So right. I can add to that statistic if you want. <laughs> but they were pretty cool about it. My coworkers were pretty nice about it. Um, like I said, a few months later is when I went to Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. where they were so nice. They, I, If there has ever been an issue with anyone having an endocrinologist, Hall asked to Planned Parenthood. They're super nice. They're so good with your chosen name, your pronouns, walking you through the process, making sure that you're safe and comfortable. No really invasive questions. Mm-hmm. And start the script. Teach me how to use it. Get out. Um, where at that point I was doing the gel, which by the way, smells like the worst tequila on the planet. <laughs> I hate tequila. Exactly. No, you would probably have one whiff of it and just mm-hmm. horf on the floor. What do you do with that? Um, it would be, so you can rub it. Usually it's on the chest mm-hmm. or on the thighs. Okay. It's basically just open ways that it can just seep into you where also alcohol is drying. So this whole thing was, it was a mess. Yeah. But to me, it was easier than injections. This is testosterone? Yeah, the testosterone. Mm -hmm. And then every couple months, you go and you do blood work to see what your levels are like, if we need to go higher, lower, somewhere in between. Got it. Um, Then beyond that, it was more so just social, um, kind of finding the clothes that finally fit me Mm -hmm. better, um, which is extra difficult because I am a person, I am very, very large, Mm -hmm. I guess, in essence. So finding certain clothes that fit that gender euphoria, right. but also isn't like a million dollars, was a little difficult. We wound up finding some stuff at a thrift store. I found some other things. I love the thrift store. Oh, I know. Oh, I love There's it. There's this one like down in like Selden. Mm-hmm. Like they literally have everything there. Yeah, I love all the thrift stores. So we wound up picking stuff there everywhere in between. It was more so just trial and error um, mm-hmm. with clothing kind of for gender affirming items, you know, seeing what binders fit like, how that works for me. It was really just a lot of trial and error and hoping. I found the first, I'd say, six months really scary. Um, It feels like second puberty. Mm -hmm. Like, people refer to that for a reason. I felt I would refer to it as menopause. (laughs) I would get the hot flashes. I was a moody little shit. (laughs) That's hysterical. I would absolutely wreck shop. So it was, a and yes, some people don't have it as much. I think for me, it was genetics and the fact that my brain, there there ain't much left of it. <laughs> like it's all gooped out. So I had a stronger emotional reaction, okay. I think. But it was mostly just rolling with the punches and seeing what stuck. Right. I had tried as far as like for Packers and stuff um, where, you know, there are some shops around here, like sex shops that might have that as just gender affirming and not for. What does that mean? Explain. So a Packer, it's kind of like a silicone, like, or otherwise like flaccid dick uh-huh. where it can be attached to underwear. They have special underwear for it. So when you're out and about in the world, it looks like you got <gasps> some down Is there. Is he a bulge? Yeah, a little bit. Ooh. And depending on what you get where some of them, yeah, it's like a little four incher. There are some that look like some meat stick going oh on. Oh my God. So it's more a matter of comfortability and also learning just for people who were born with a penis. So sometimes like why you shift so much. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I get it now. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. It wasn't probably until the one year mark where I was getting accurately gendered in public mm-hmm. where it started really setting in of like, I am who I am. Right. Like, I don't feel like this imposter where I feel like I'm trying all over the place. My voice was getting lower, but not to a good point. Mm-hmm. And people would kind of look at me confused. Like, 
I think you're a woman, but why do you have that wispy little like 13-year-old mustache? Right. <laughs> so it was just a lot of trial and error, I would say. What was the most difficult part of the process? Um, Once again, it was the public aspect mm-hmm. of... Um, I think I still... It's one of the things that... And learning differences in privilege as well, which is a weird thing where, you know... People look at women certain ways. People look at men certain ways where it's how people react, how they talk to you or how they might trust you more based on. Right. Like as a male therapist, um, people might not be as comfortable talking to me. But when I work with guys, oh, the shit they'll say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's really just learning different things about that as well as the difficulty now because I am, you know, passing as male, I guess you can say. Okay. Wondering what that's like as far as Max and I, you know, being gay men. Mm -hmm. As, you know, obviously you've experienced that, like I said, being around, kind of not being sure. Right. Where, you know, he's very used to calling me pet names. Mm -hmm. We'll be in certain areas and he's calling me hun and I'm like, I don't know, with the current, like, political thing, I don't want you getting jumped. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's really just that, I think, was is the hardest part is refiguring my place in the world. Right. Which is such an adjustment. Yeah. And it's like you're saying realizing different ways that you're treated based mm-hmm. on your gender and okay. you've lived the experience of what it was like to be a woman yeah. and how women are treated by men. Mm-hmm. And now you're living the experience of being a man and how you're treated by other men and women. Yeah. That's such an interesting perspective. It's really fun and like really weird like suddenly now i'm trusted more Mm -hmm. like i said yes i am overweight i was at a duncan once and like i said i'll make a lot of jokes about my size a lot of everything i just i like self-deprecating i'm the same way yeah and i was going into duncan before going to work and they'd got it was some iced coffee that one of their specialty ones that had an ass ton of sugar and i made some joke about like needing it to you know something about my body i don't Mm -hmm. know and instead, where because it was a woman, most women would look at another woman differently for being overweight, starts telling me about, oh, no, you're handsome. You're going you're, to make a great partner. All of this. You're so funny. And I'm like, if you had thought I was a woman, you would have said some more scathing things. Or right. Acted so much differently. Right. People will take me more as an authority where I worked in a crisis center. Someone was trying to calm down someone. They weren't responding well to them because it was a woman. They get transferred to me. I almost repeat the same things. Suddenly it opens up the window. It's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Why didn't that other person say? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they did. Yeah. The fuck? Right. It's your perception yeah. that's different. Are the hormones something that you'll take forever? Yes. What, what uh, would happen if you stopped? So this is where I think the fun is of being a trans man instead of a trans woman. Okay. Um, for, uh, for me, it's more so just keeping the status quo. Um, a lot, a lot of the changes are permanent. Even if I did suddenly stop for whatever reason, my voice is not going to go back up. Right. The bottom growth, and for people who don't know what that is, it means that my clit became a dicklet. And <laughs> a dicklet, <laughs> a fucking dicklet. Oh my god! Like that's not going to shrink. And like I just walked into cold water. Uh-huh. Like it's going to stay whatever size that is. Um, you know, facial hair, whatever's here. Like it may not grow more, but it would stay, it would continue to just grow again and again in this wispy ass fashion. Hair look like a lot of those are more permanent. It's more so just that like internal just understanding of self. Okay. If you are a trans woman, there is always that risk, you know, if you stop taking hormones, the breasts you grew will flatten back out. 
the there are you know vo- their voice doesn't change on hormones. It's generally where they have to get voice training. There is that really? thing for trans women that they'll talk about like their hair gets actually like thicker, better. Like mm-hmm. they have that shine and silk. They actually have more of a disadvantage with stopping hormones. Okay. For me, it's just a matter of knowledge that I'm keeping that status quo. Right. I can feel comfortable in doing so. Mm-hmm. So you do it every day? No, no, no. It's every week. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's I, manageable. Yeah. With the with the testosterone gel, it would be like a daily thing. With the shot, it's yeah. once a week. Yeah, it's once a That's week. That's very easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just becomes like, it for some odd reason, it happened on Friday. So Friday nights, I mean, him and I are pretty lazy on mm-hmm. Friday nights. We're just crawling in. It'll Then it'll be like two o'clock in the morning. We're getting ready for bed. Then we look at each other and goes, shit, I forgot to stab you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like fine, let's, let's go sit down. Does it make you feel any type of way or like right after you do it? Um, It depends on the injection. There have been times where it may have accidentally scraped a nerve, kind of like getting any sort of shot okay. where mm-hmm. it's a quick pain. But the actual like vial of liquid itself, you don't really feel much. Okay. I don't know if he just got really skilled right off the bat, which by yeah, He's the, like a nurse now. Yeah. Which by the way, you know how he learned about how to do it? How? TikTok. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so there was this doctor. TikTok's like the new YouTube. Oh, yeah. Because it teaches you in one minute. So our, our like neurodivergent brains can like yeah. hyper focus. Uh-huh. He, there was like a doctor on it who showed through different ways how to do it. And he wound up giving that to me. And it just, he was just really good at it. That's great. It, he has done it every week except once where he was in the ER. Mm-hmm. And I had to go upstairs because my mom, who had been drinking a little bit, volunteered my stepdad. Okay. Who also had a little bit to drink. Yeah. I had to teach him because I was too afraid to do it. Right. He also did a fantastic job. I told him, tell my stepsister, who's also a nurse, like, he can get his too. I love it. Your transition didn't include any surgeries, correct? No, not yet. Why? Um, money. Okay. It is really hard to find a surgeon fight with insurance to get the authorization to even have any coverage for it. Like where I was thinking I would start would have been like, I wanted to get it done this year to be completely honest, which is top surgery. Okay. Um, I'll get to bottom surgery in a minute, but for top surgery, um, I was planning on getting it this year. And that's removing. Yeah. Removing the, the Yeah. Removing the breast tissue. It's kind of like a mastectomy. Um, there are different like ways that they cut into it, so it has that more masculine like pack right, feature to right. it. Which, if they can get me one of those, because I oh, have yeah. a bird chest, I would love that. <laughs> They'll always you, you find the right person. <laughs> the issue was in f- late February, I had lost my job, which means okay. I lost my health insurance. Right. And with the job I had now, there's always like that probationary like period. You wait till they get you those mm-hmm. nice, nice benefits. Yeah, fuckers. So I had Medicaid for most of the year, where that's something hard to get covered. The one thing I did get covered was having um, my fallopian tubes removed because the bloodline ends with me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like bottoms, so it was just a matter of me saving up money, saving up PTO. The good thing is with how surgery is, generally the recovery time for top surgery is about two weeks. Okay. So it would just be me chilling at home during that, getting, you know, maxi nurse, like doing his nursey thing around the house. Because thankfully, he's home all the time anyways. Um, for bottom surgery for trans men, the technology really ain't up to there, if I, you ask yeah. me. Uh-huh. They have, like, they have some where they will remove 
skin that has been like electrolysis, there's no hair, and kind of put that into the form. They have surgeries where it essentially, because ninety most of the clit is actually inside of mm -hmm. you. It's how like they get that extracted out. Right. But there is a lot of room for error within those surgeries that, and even if there was, I don't have that much bottom dysphoria. It's very much a person to person experience. Okay. Just as for a lot of trans women, they might, you know, they might keep the dingle dangle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just a matter Yo, of comfortability. Me up. I can't, I can't take it. So it's really just a person to person. Okay. That was going to be my next yeah. question. If it causes you any discomfort in your body. Um, no, it's more so the top, um, okay. where, and also I like to make the joke as well, because with certain, how much they remove, they might actually remove the nipples as well for certain people. Mm -hmm. So I get to be like a variant of like Kyle XY, if you remember, yeah, who didn't remember have the belly show. button. Oh, ABC but, family throwing it back. Yeah, yeah. So instead I just will, I might potentially not have nipples so I can scare people when I walk around out in public. Why do they do that? Um, it's just a matter of saving the tissue. Got because it. of how they cut and remove the breast tissue, it just might either be sagged down so it's literally like halfway in you and it, it, don't, it doesn't look too good or too natural. Yeah. Or when some people may try to reattach the nipple, but if you don't take care of it properly, it might fall off, which if you ask me, that's the most horrifying thing. Yeah. Think it's three o'clock in the morning, your chest is in pain, you're trying to like take a piss and then you see like your nipple fell off. Yeah, I'm like, like God. no. No, thank you. So it's really, once again, a matter of finding the right surgeon, finding the right incision type that is really helpful for that. Like, I have been so actually, like, blessed. My GYN, who helped, who actually did the surgery for the fallopian tube removal, among a lot of this other care in between, knew some surgeons who are going to help point me in the right direction. But once again, it's a matter of if insurance doesn't fully cover or cover most of it, I need to make sure I have money in the bank for that, as well as if I ran out of PTO, you know, I want to be able right. to eat. Right. So that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Has being transgender affected you when it comes to your career? Um, so I think it was a matter of when I first came out, it did. Okay. So uh, it was a matter of when you work with clients, having to feel like you have to come out mm -hmm. to them or have them understand. But when I'm in certain corners, so I worked in for um, substance use for a while during that time. And I also did a sub program working with, um, the, it's within DV, but it's the people who commit the domestic violence instead of the, you know, the survivors okay. at the time. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. It I mean, it was actually a lot of fun it's those like, few years. like living in a documentary. Oh, yeah. They were, I mean, some of the guys, like I said, they tried to cover up. It was really nice just to put them in their place sometimes yeah. and help them really learn, you know, hope that they can take accountability, move on to be better people. Some of them, listen, they might do stuff again, but we try our best. Right. Um, With them specifically having to like, be like, oh, no, no, Lee or somewhere else where they weren't getting it. It became a bit uncomfortable with that. Okay. Um, then when I had shifted over to actually working in domestic violence and sexual assault as a crisis counselor for the survivors, mm -hmm. there's also that matter of some of these women are afraid of men. Do I make the choice to disclose that oh, that's interesting. I'm transgender and think that wonder if they're going to have this view of me? Right. Or 
do I be a man and have them think, you know, I am a man, but have them like have this different view of me. Right. It becomes with this, that's that's where it's kind of weird for my career Mm -hmm. as well. Even now, um, I actually do specialize in working within the LGBT community. I'd say a third to a half of my clients are among the Alphabet Mafia. Okay. There are a few people that do not know that I'm trans or a good chunk don't because I don't see the reason in it. Like, I'm good at my job. You don't need to know what's in between my pants. Mm -hmm. But there have been certain people. It's just a matter of choosing about. Right. The one the one thing I found most difficult was actually when I had lost my job in February, getting another one, having that. Are they going to judge me based on me being transgender? You know, yes, we might not be forced to be discriminated against, but they might find some other reason why they wouldn't want to hire me. And how do I put my resume? At that point, I hadn't changed my name. Mm -hmm. So how do I put in like, no, 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 please call me this or please like use these pronouns. Or am I going to wait until they meet me, see my mustache and fluffy head and being like, huh. Mm -hmm. So that was where I think the most difficult part is, is just how to work with clients and figuring out the job landscape. Right. How often have you experienced mistreatment or bullying just by... Not so much people in your life, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking more of like if you're out somewhere okay, because you do pass as a man. Yeah. I feel like that would be less common for you. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, like I said, when I was really fresh into it, kind of figuring myself out, my style, um, I got a lot of dirty looks. Mm -hmm. No one ever, I never really heard like slurs yelled at me. There wasn't any physical violence where like knock, knock, knock on that one. Yeah. But it was a lot of dirty, dirty looks. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I had a few people where, you know, in I had the pronoun pin sometimes for a while. Okay. And then I realized, actually, that feels like people are going to focus on that and be like, oh, no, you are, instead of hoping that they're going to gender you right. correctly. A lot of the hate is more so online mm-hmm. in certain communities. Like, I'm a massive nerd. I will, I'll play all the video games. I did not do like on like a headset talking to people because I didn't feel like getting clocked either way. Right. But like on like Reddit and other communities, you would see a lot of hateful comments or I don't interact with many people on Twitter because most of them have five brain cells. (laughs) But there was one where I had made a comment to someone and then once again, they started really flipping the script and kind of getting aggressive about it. Okay. And it's like, okay, go home and cry. Like, right. I don't see much reason. Right. I was very lucky that my mom has always taught me kind of not to really give too much of a fuck mm-hmm. about other people's opinions. For me, it's just a matter of figuring out the safety aspect. Right. Those dirty looks, are they going to result in anything else? We right. see on the media and the news all the day. Right. So it's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to be a little paranoid right now. Right. See, I agree with that as well. I think that it's so important to protect people against violence. I think it's so strange, uh, the mentality of people who don't agree with something and may not support it, whatever, but to turn that into a violent situation, mm-hmm. there's just something not right with you. Like, you know, like there's something wrong with you. Like, what am I doing to you? Like, am I like, in your basement, like cackling as right. I fill like your water bottle with like of like heart hormones. Trans juice. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, you got the trans juice coming around. <laughs> I've got, you know, I'm walking into schools like hunched over, like, who am I going to infect But I think today? I think sometimes people believe that. Oh yeah. And I don't think that the media on either side helps that issue. No. 
No. They perpetuate things that are not 100% correct Mm -hmm. and their own opinions. And there's a scale that's not balanced. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like I personally don't understand why people are so affected by words and other people's opinions. I don't personally understand from my own experience, Mm -hmm. why people feel the need to be accepted by strangers. Mm. I was always more focused from my own experience on hoping that the people that I cared about and the Mm -hmm. opinions that I valued, Mm -hmm. that those people would accept what I was. But I personally have never given a fuck about someone I don't give a fuck about Mm -hmm. and what they think of me. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could extend that and give that to people. Yeah. The part that annoys the shit out of me is not that something hurts you when people start to get angry. Yes. If people don't agree with what you're doing and how you're living your life on Twitter, a a YouTuber, Mm -hmm. an influencer, even though I hate that word, someone on a news network, I don't understand when it's not a certain subject. Like, you know, I give a pass for the racist shit. You want to cancel the racist people? Fuck yeah. You're a piece of shit. But I don't understand the whole canceling and you shouldn't have a job and you shouldn't have this and you shouldn't have that. If someone is treating you or speaking to you in a way that you don't find appropriate or doesn't feel good to you, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to have that person in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend my time screaming and yelling and ranting and raving about them because what is that accomplishing? Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to change their mind. No. They're going to continue to be the person that they are. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like they kind of have the right to not accept it. They don't have to. What you're not going to do is come in my space and start acting crazy with me in my little fucking personal bubble because I'll smash a bottle over your head. However, I don't care if you don't agree with it. I don't care if you don't like it. And it confuses me why people are so focused on what others think of them when that person is not contributing anything to your life. No, I agree with you where, like I said, I come from the school of fuck around and find out. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think a lot of it is because if influencers are having these big opinions, there are that hate in there, how it leaks out elsewhere into other people. We've seen how some people who have, you know, as much as I hate to say on a podcast, you know, our boy Andrew Tate and mm-hmm. all of that, where, you know, he said all these hateful, shitty things, 12 year olds pick it up. And start spewing that without knowing what it what means. it means. Yeah, I find a lot of hate is based in ignorance. Mm-hmm. You don't know who I am, what any of it's about. It's easier to hate what you don't know or don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Or are afraid of. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like that's where sometimes people will ask, you know, weird questions. They'll have these opinions, but for me, I just I don't see the point in fighting malice with malice. I agree. If I think that you are a person that can have an open conversation, sure, we'll sit down and have it. Maybe I'll change your mind. But if you are like spitting foam and like you you need to probably be locked up in a room somewhere to calm down, mm-hmm. I don't really see much issue with like, I'm going to leave you there. Right. You're going to die on that hill. So I'll, I'll, I will, you know, leave you in your grave. For right. That. I'm not going to work myself up no. and, and drive myself crazy no. when you're in your own little world over there and it's not looking too good for you. You know, you stay over there and you do your thing. I'm going to go about my business and my life. All right. I want to hear your thoughts on some buzz topics and political issues surrounding trans people. Mm -hmm. And this is the part of the interview where you're like, Oh, that was so nice and safe. And now we're getting into it. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) All right. So you, you buttered me up just to put me in the fryer. (laughs) I, I don't know. Honestly, like just to be completely honest, 
I like ripped this apart and put it back together like three times last night. Ooh, through ducking. Yeah. The way, <laughs> wait, like that. The way that I write interviews is I'll basically just like write out the whole outline and whatever comes out mm-hmm. and then I'll leave it and then I'll get high another night and then I'll go back and mm-hmm. then I'll have like these ideas pop okay. in and then I'll leave it and then I'll come back maybe a couple hours later and I'll like start researching. So I literally just like put transgender into Google. Oh and I'm God. Like, Let me just read what comes up. <laughs> oh fuck. And none of it was really anything new, no. but one headline that I might read might be about something that, oh, I forgot to add that. Yeah. Sparks an idea. So those are the things I was doing last night. So I got into like the meat of it and I was like, oh, let's add some of this stuff. Let's like push the envelope a little bit about things that we're not supposed to talk about oh, yeah. because that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about things that are make people uncomfortable. I think there a is a good thing way. about that though. Yeah. You know, having like these topics of like, we don't talk about Bruno. It really, that's what creates that ignorance and that hate. Right. And why are we afraid to have conversations about our opinions or our concerns or our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Is that not how you learn? I don't understand why we stop talking to people who we don't agree with because we're afraid Mm -hmm. that a mob of people are going to get angry. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not trying to be disrespectful and you have the right intention, what's wrong with having a conversation? Is that not how we advance? Is that not how we learn? Mm -hmm. I feel like my mind changes all the time based on talking to people. I might have a perception of something and then I talk to you about it Mm -hmm. And you express a really great point. And then I'll be like, oh, you know what? He's right. And then I start to adapt and adopt, rather, mm-hmm. that opinion. Yeah. Not all the time. No. Listen, you, you're still going to have some of yours that feel like it's a, they're these core values. Right. But that willingness to think from that other perspective, that's where we really get that empathy as a human. Agreed. If we're not willing to listen, you're never going to learn. How did you even get those values? A hundred percent. We, you know, the whole thing is like, oh, you know, six-year-olds can't like, you know, they can't do X, Y, and Z. It's like, where did they get those values from? At home. Who's right. around them? It's right. not a matter of you're born hateful. Right. A hundred percent. You're born a weird little like alien looking thing. Yeah. It's what is put into that skull of yours to start off the process. There's a lot of learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's either your, it could be your environment. It could be what you consume. Mm-hmm. Maybe your parents are the greatest people in the world, but you watch some fucked up shit on the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, like you never know. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get into these buzz topics. First one bathrooms there's been a huge public conversation about gender neutral restrooms Mm -hmm. as well as being able to use the restroom that you feel most comfortable with Mm -hmm. there's been a ton of backlash and arguments from those who claim to feel uncomfortable in certain situations what are your thoughts on this why are you uncomfortable that i'm sitting and taking a piss (laughs) like in the most like blatant way Mm -hmm. i just want to go take a piss i mean also within the um I'd say in the privilege is because I'm, when I'm in the men's bathroom taking a shit, I can be as loud as I want to without the judgment. <laughs> but it's just a matter of, like I said, there is that whole idea. We're going in there to like sexually harass people. No, we, we have to just go to the bathroom. Right. You know, we're not like flailing our bits around. Right. So whether it be gender neutral, like once again, have that common decency. I'm not going to fuck with you. You're not going to fuck with me. I'm right. going to go to the bathroom and do whatever. Which was also actually a really fun thing, once again, early transition, where I still had a lot of those feminine traits that Mm -hmm. people could think I'm a girl, but I was looking too masculine that before I had the confidence to drop it and say, I'm just going to go into the men's room now because that's who I am. You know, women would give me these looks of like, what are you? Yeah. And I'm like, just just trying to pee, bro. Like, let me pee. (laughs) Yeah. 
I do think the conversation is different for trans men versus trans women. Oh, yeah. I think that men don't feel unsafe or uncomfortable in most environments. So if you walk into the restroom and I can tell that you're transgender, what the fuck are you going to do to me? Even if you do have bad intentions, you know, like I'm not afraid of you. The only fear is if you stand next to them at the urinal and it's more so a matter of blatant uncomfortability with anyone. It's like, why? (laughs) I feel uncomfortable at a urinal at any time when someone's next to me. And sometimes people will talk to you Mm -hmm. and I'm like, sir, shut the fuck up. Why are you speaking to me while we were both peeing? I don't know you like that. I don't. Who are you? No. But I do think the conversation is a little different with women. And I think women feel more uncomfortable in a lot of situations that Mm -hmm. men don't. Right. So I can't speak for that because I'm not a woman. I've never been. I would never want to be. Um, But I do feel like their perception might be a little different. Mm. And I think that men being the way that men are may... And again, this is not common. This is an extreme situation. Mm -hmm. But I think there have been cases and instances where men will use something to their advantage Mm -hmm. to try to be somewhat predatory. Yeah, there there are always going to be those cases. And I think that's what scares women Mm -hmm. rather than your experience of you walking into a men's room, whether they can tell or not, they probably don't give a fuck. No, I I think that. You know, I can understand where a lot of women do get it from. Like you said, we see a lot of things, all of the news of people getting hurt in other ways. We just see violence all over the place against women. Right. Because how dare you exist? Right. So it's kind of creating these safe spaces for women that we might see. But also, if someone is a woman and just so happens to have it, it's more so just, you know, it's why women go on like the little pods. Like, okay, you keep yourself safe that way. If your first thought is this person is trans, they're going to hurt me. It's more a matter of checking that. Right. You know, if they're automatically just like beelining to go. Okay. Right. It's I I want to understand. But I think also as someone who works so closely within the trans community where 98 percent of people just want to go to the bathroom. Right. Is where and that my 2%. Brain locking, yeah. How likely are you to experience that 2%? I also see that. And how different is that than anything else you might experience that's violent? That's not that common. Exactly. I also find that those 2% people will say that they're trans a lot. So there is always that debate, which I know it gets into a hot topic as well um, within some of the online communities. I I don't like talking about the person, but Christian, with all the stuff that happened with with them okay um and people do believe that they identified as a trans female Mm -hmm. to kind of basically try to get with women saying like it's like oh you're a lesbian you know i'm a woman too right let's you know let's do this that and the other thing when it was a matter of almost questioning that but that also gets down to that weird spiral of how do you believe someone's trans or when you question that is that inherently transphobic right there are a lot of these weird things of how do i know you are who you are right it's no different than you know a woman wanting to get close like a cisgender woman wanting to hang out with like you know people who women who like women and saying oh i'm a lesbian too Mm -hmm. and in reality they might not be right it's a matter of just that honesty and trust right which is hard to find in other people It is because people have broken our trust, be it personally or otherwise. Right. Okay, next topic. Pronouns. Okay. So what what in the realm of usage of pronouns? Are we talking neo pronouns? In like, the realm of how 
important do you feel it is? Um, it's another thing where I find that once again, in the media, it's like this ban on pronouns where it's like, okay, when you say like he's over there, you're using a pronoun. Mm -hmm. It people wind up getting into this hateful mindset that the word itself is dirty. Right. Um, I think that there is an importance to that. You know, we have been you you know, we grew up in this gender we were not comfortable with for so long mm -hmm. that it feels like you don't believe us when right. we use the wrong one. Right. But if you, you know, and there's something euphoric, especially in the beginning of hearing the correct pronoun. Right. The thing that I always find that gets into an issue is if, let's say, a family member misgendered me or someone that I was close to misgendered me. They are so used to seeing how on the Internet it becomes this spitfire of how fucking dare you, you transphobic. Right. Right. I'm canceling you into next Tuesday. Right. Because you use she instead of he. Where I've always said, it's not a matter, I don't care that you misgender me, just, you know, if you want to correct it and move forward, great. But when you get into this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's uncomfortable, you know, I, it I would imagine. And the first response you have when someone deeply apologizes like that is saying, oh, it's okay. When it's not really, but it makes the other person feel comfortable. It's easy, just, I'm going to throw Let's myself Let's just aside. move on. Right, yeah. right. I just so, want to get out of this moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes like I ain't feeling my best when I get misgendered or use the wrong pronoun, but sometimes shit happens. Right. Even if you're going to someone who says and use the wrong pronoun, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be difficult for a lot of people to use either like neutral, like they, them. So it becomes just a practicing experience. Right. Neo pronouns, I understand why people use them. I think the internet has made them get into that like meme quality right where people are like oh my pronouns are like vamp vamp self bun right. bun self right where yes it can be cute and quirky but also if you're outside of the community you're gonna look like an ass right so it's where do we find this medium right why are you choosing bun bun self right you know what is this attachment right like how we see even in the, the trans community as well like okay we have you know 10,000 genders just unlocked you know, I'm going to believe you wherever you say you are, but you have to understand that where that difficulty lies. How many genders are there? Ooh. Can I, I tell you what what yeah. I've like thought I've come to the conclusion of, yeah, but yeah. it's probably wrong. But what I've thought about, mm -hmm. I've been thinking recently, well, is there three now? Is there men, women and non-binary mm. but then people will say oh there's 92 genders and then i read them and i'm like i don't even know what that word is yeah. is this the english language yeah. i'm confused mm. so when it comes to gender i actually look at it so i'm sure like within you know just the within the like lesbian gay you know heterosexual like thing that we always see this as this continuum mm -hmm. of like straight to gay it's called the kinsey scale that doesn't, to me, properly convey gender. I always find it, I call it like a 4D, like, void of fuckery. Okay. Where, you know, we can't, there are people who are, who d identify as gender fluid. Okay. They might feel more masculine certain days, more feminine. There are some people who don't directly identify as male, but the masculine qualities. Gender is such a weird topic that it's hard to think about. We're so used to, oh, cavemen, man, women. It's, well, they didn't have the thought process to go through it. Right. I I do see, you know, I love the non-binary community because they're all just, they're all chaotic as hell. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's like, where are, you know, are we androgynous? Are we here? Are we there? Like, I'm, I'm loving it. I think that it's 
really a personal choice and find something that's comfortable to you, but also know once you step further and further away from what is considered like the norm, which is now being into like this three gender like right. spectrum, you are going to have to prepare for some blowback or at least working with the person who may not understand. Right. So I think there's infinite possibility, mm -hmm. but just like someone who is coming out as gay, it's what is this mean to me? What does gender mean to See, me? See, the non-binary thing has always been confusing to me, and yeah. I used to be dismissive of it. Yeah. And I learned not to be that way, and I'll tell you why. I grew up with people telling me that being gay is not something you're born with. Mm -hmm. I made that choice. It was my choice. Yeah. And I would look at them as a young teenager and be like, how the fuck do you know anything about my life? Mm -hmm. What I picked? Yeah. What I didn't? And what's going on in my head? Mm -hmm. And why do you think I would choose to make my life more difficult yeah. and even have to have this conversation with you mm -hmm. on purpose? So when the non-binary idea was first really introduced to the public mm -hmm. and gained... I don't want to say popularity, but for lack of a better word, I was like, fuck this. This is not real. Mm -hmm. You people are crazy. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, well, if I don't understand it, I can ask questions and I can try to learn about mm -hmm. it. But it's not kind to tell people that what they're thinking or how they're feeling is not real in that community because that's what was done to me mm -hmm. and was frustrating. Mm -hmm. So why would I sit here and do that to someone else? It still confuses me. I get very confused by the TikTok people who wear a different bracelet every day mm -hmm. to identify their gender. It doesn't make sense to me how people switch back and forth and on and off and up and down, mm -hmm. but I've learned to just like take that with a grain of salt and like let that fight go. Yeah. There I don't think there is much reason to fight. It's once again let them, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone at the it's end of the business. day. No. You know, how you feel. I And there's also a matter of, like you said, when it comes out to the public, these things have always experienced. It's just now we have the language to it. I'll always bring back to thousands of years ago, there were transgender people and they were actually higher up on the hierarchy. So I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm yeah. going to. That's what confuses me as well, because... There's always been gay people. Right. There's always been lesbians. There's always been transgenders. Throughout history, mm -hmm. there's evidence of it. The closest thing they've tried to do with the non-binary thing is like we were talking about before, the two-spirit yeah. with the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't directly correlate. We can't really say that that's what that was. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of drawing a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Whereas everything else has been represented in history very well. Mm. So I think the thing that confuses me is where it came from and how it exploded as far as we never talked about that no. 12 years ago. I also think it was buried because there is certain thing if so for a quick diversion, I am a I call it a pseudo practicing pagan. Okay. I have a huge interest in a lot of mythology. I'll do certain ritual work. Um I actually look into some of that and how they have this both male female qualities although mm -hmm. non-binary does not always result in androgyny right kind of like how people think oh non-binary you're like david bowie <laughs> right um we'll see like one of the people one of like the deities i'm always so like focused on and in love with is dionysus from the greek pantheon okay because he is the reason that we uh, like you know besides being a god of wine and drunken revelry there is a matter of figuring out like you finding yourself that ecstasy being who you are 
you know, he had straight lovers, gay lovers. He had people who had both parts. In Indian cultures, they also had people who kind of swapped around in different things. Right. We just have different language. There was, I think, this dead zone when as certain religions wanted to keep it very like traditional here, there, we had this dark period right. where we weren't free to explore and understand because that's not what, you know, Sky Daddy wanted. Right. So we kept <laughs> it under wraps. It wasn't until, you know, we'll say the 80s, like the David Bowie started like pushing those limits. And as the years go on, we're realizing we can step away from these norms and find a way to be ourselves. Right. So now we have the explosion of we lost all this language. Let's refine it and keep spinning it up. Right. So I think it's a matter of just refining language. It's always been around. It's just it was so looked down upon. It was hidden. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, little little hidden sex dungeons for the kink community. <laughs> so, you, you know, now it's talked all over the right. place. Now people have rooms in their houses. Exactly. There's a whole show on Netflix for building I a sex know. dungeon. Just, oh, my God. I just <laughs> saw the preview for it. And I was like, I have to fucking watch this yeah. show. I haven't gotten to it yet. So it's now I think now it's just a matter of we're finally diluting the taboo of it. Right. and Learning to step away from the norm. And it's becoming more accepted mm-hmm. publicly. But as new things are coming out, there will always be the questions and there are always going to be the extremes that take it too far. Well, I also think this is the first of its kind where, like I'm saying, we gays were never a secret. Mm-mm. They were never not present. Yeah, Trans people were never not present. Mm-hmm. You can go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and look at TV shows and radio and all this different stuff where that was present. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the first of its kind where people were like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of this before. And all of a sudden it's just propelled into the masses. Yeah. So I do think it's like its own kind of strange evolution of it so quickly. I think so. I, you know, there have been people, but yeah, once again, it's under wraps. Like I remember hearing stories about certain people once again, it's like this one in like 7 billion people. Right. So it feels like this anomaly. So yeah, it it's so weird now. Like I said, you know, Max's family member that came out, I think they came out, let's say eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a wild guess. Okay. Back then, even then, we were like, the fuck is this? We're going to go like, right. we're, we're going to use all the slurs or think that we're using slurs in this. And now within the past few years, now we're seeing this like, explosion like i know a lot of adults are looking at teens being teens and like how dare they have all of this right so yeah it gets into that weird like i said uncomfortable of like has this been around why this is so stupid what's in the water and i mean it's the long island sound we're all gonna have three eyes and four (laughs) legs by the end of this but that's another topic entirely all right last buzz topic Yeah, yeah women's sports okay So this gets into a lot of medical science as well, Mm -hmm. where that's the whole idea when it comes to testosterone levels. And once that is a very slippery slope. Okay. um, Because it's like, okay, what is the threshold for testosterone levels for someone where there are plenty of cisgendered women who naturally have higher testosterone? Mm -hmm. One of the ways we see that a lot is women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. Where they're the ones that some of the things is having that facial hair, having those more masculine features right. because of how their ovaries will produce, will actually limit the estrogen, the cis, like I said, it's a whole hormonal fuck up. So do we now say that cisgendered women who were blessed with this and how we watch where in the transition someone is right? as watching trans women, 
there are always the jokes that like the second they start taking testosterone, they can't open a fucking pickle jar. <laughs> I've seen plenty of women where like they act, their muscles do degrade. Right. And for trans men, it does become easier. I, if my, you know, if my back and my joints weren't like screwed up, I probably would be able to do more. Mm-hmm. I do notice certain strengths and abilities. Right. So it's a matter of once again, I think it becomes this person to person, but but how do we judge that I when it comes to I can't say that I know things like sports. I I would you know in a perfect world, I don't I think it should be a free for all. You know that you know I understand why yeah coed it can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the trans community, there is the idea of oh we'll have them in their own like sector right where that also leads to like we're getting into segregation right. almost mm-hmm. so i'm not really sure how to handle that right i will like i said i'll get frustrated that there are so many it's the barriers and not understanding why right but i can't say i have a solution i also because don't our have... bodies are so weird it's no different than saying like oh you know maybe usain bolt had like you know, he had a propensity where his body can run faster. Right. And then like Tom, Dick and Harry, well, they didn't have this advantage. Right. So do we put Usain Bolt in another category? Right. We It gets into a lot of these semantics that, like you said, within the trans community, we don't know what to do. Right. So I think there just needs to be more open conversations and really learning. At the end of the day, someone's always going to be pissed. Right. That's true. I also don't have a dog in that fight because I'm not a woman and I don't play sports. I just find it to be a really interesting topic and it Mm. gets people really riled up. I do know as far as for trans women, one of the fun things is actually in professional wrestling. So another one of my manliest features about me is (laughs) my husband and I are avid WWE fans. It's our it's you know, it's half naked people soap opera. And then they get to jump all over each other. We think it's the best shit on the planet. <laughs> I love that. You know, we'll watch the pay-per-views. We'll like, well, like I said, it's like we're watching like telenovela. But there is actually a trans woman in All Elite Wrestling who, like I said, she does very well. But there is this assumption that, oh, because she's trans, she's going to dominate everything. Right. No, she loses just as much. Yes, yeah, some of it is they probably pick it out beforehand. Right. But you'll watch her in the match. Where, no, she's having just as much struggles as another woman. Right. It's just keeping those ideas in line that everyone has limitations. Right. So it's not just a matter of hormones. Do you think that there should be an age requirement to begin a physical transition, specifically Mm -hmm. in regards to administering hormones? I think it's a step-by-step process for young people. Okay. I've had this question asked to me a few times because I do work with a lot of trans teenagers. Okay. Um... I think that where you need to start instead of going right to hormones is the puberty blockers. Okay. So they can have time to better understand themselves and keep the clock from ticking. Mm -hmm. So puberty blockers are, like I said, it literally is within within its name. It'll stop, you know, like if you were born a woman, like breast growing, you know, maybe having a period, all of those things for men, it can be for penis growth, you know, hair growth among your voice deepening. It'll give those time to reflect, understand, like, is this a gender I'm associating with? Is this something different, something more? Mm -hmm. And let's say they decide in time, like, LOL, JK, I'm actually comfortable with who I was born with. Right. And they can stop the puberty blockers and they just have a delayed puberty. It's no different than like a late bloomer you might see. That's such a conversation that's happening because there are medical professionals on one side of the, the spectrum that will say, 
it's completely reversible almost mm-hmm. or you can just stop taking them and things will go back to normal and then there's medical professionals on the other side that say absolutely not that's not true so which one is it it's so confusing like any medical thing there's always going to be these hot debates mm-hmm. as someone like i said for yourself going to even different doctors for other physical parts right there is this fight i see it within my own profession when i talk to psychiatrists mm-hmm. they have these very big opinions even you know counselors as well like is something like borderline personality disorder like curable? Some people are like, yeah, you just need these skills. Other people, fuck them, they're just gonna go rot in hell. Right. So I take the same thing within other medical science like our bodies of there can be that coin flip. It's your decision at the end of the day. Right. The puberty blockers, most likely, yeah, just have that extended puberty. If you feel that you can run the risk of maybe not having that full, bountiful puberty. Right. Okay. I feel like it scares me with younger people. And again, I don't have any dog in this fight, but I wonder, like, I don't really want kids, but sometimes I think about what if I change my mind? Mm. So I try to think to myself, like, what would I do in a situation if this was my child? Because obviously I came from, like, a somewhat supportive situation. It wasn't good at first, Mm -hmm. and it quickly got better. And now it's like second nature. Nobody gives a fuck about my life and who I am. Um, But I always think to myself, like if I had kids, I would want to provide them the most supportive environment that I possibly could Mm -hmm. to let them experiment with life and, and who they are and whatever. I think that what scares me is my own personal experience. So when Mm -hmm. I was five, okay. I told my grandmother that I was a girl trapped in a boy's body. Okay. And I told her that multiple times and she still tells the story to this day. And now as an adult reflecting back, I wasn't understanding what being gay was. Mm, Okay. I didn't understand why I wasn't like the other boys, Mm -hmm. why I was interested in things that it only seemed girls were. Mm. So in my undeveloped mind, Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm a girl. Mm. I must be a girl. Yeah. As an adult, I have zero desire to be a woman right? or really be around many. Mm. <laughs> I don't care how that sounds. No, catty <laughs> bitches. <laughs> but I think about, I'm not a trans person. Right. But if we were living in this time where everyone is afraid of making the wrong choice and not seeming progressive or supportive enough, mm-hmm. and my parents had pursued that for me, I think my life would have turned out to be miserable. Mm, Okay. So I think that from my opinion as an outsider, I remember that experience and I say, well, what if we start this with with children and then someone like me Mm -hmm. who's just misunderstanding their sexual preference and their identity starts to do something that they can't take back? Okay. That scares me. I can understand that fear a hundred percent, especially. And I'm not, I'm not trying to invalidate trans no. people because no. I think there's a, obviously a ton of people yeah. who have those feelings from a young age and they turn out to be a hundred percent right about themselves. Yeah. But then I think in my experience, I can't be the only one no. who had that battle or felt that way. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that I actually wasn't that. Right. I was just young and didn't understand what I actually was. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I started to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. I would, my idea for a lot of that, I believe it's a step-by-step process that for especially someone who is a, you know, either a young, maybe a young adult or just like a teen or a child, 
we don't I don't think an immediate step to a medical transition is the right step. Okay. I think that there should be more of a focus on that social transition of or experiment oh, with clothing. Exactly. And, that's yeah, what I mean by social styles tra- and whatever. That's the difference between social transition and medical transition. Got it. Social transition is choosing name, choosing pronouns, maybe clothing choice, you know, who you get like involved around, right. getting those support groups. Right. I think that is paramount for a child to better understand themselves in there. I, you know, after 18, I don't think there should be as many gatekeepy walls when it comes to either like getting hormone surgeries and stuff like that. Well, that's starting to change, right? Ex- yeah, we're working yeah, on that. Right. I do believe that as a teenager, once we hit that threshold where maybe puberty blockers might be a thought, mm-hmm. that is where I think meeting with a professional who can help you better understand, have that education, A, about what this means, mm-hmm. like what can change, what might not, as well as what gender, having that exploration with someone who is in a safe space. Right. Because like you said, how many genders are there? What even is gender? Right. It's where we get to have those conversations to get better acquainted Mm -hmm. because now we're getting that language. Right. So I think there should be some of those like, you know, little things back and forth. Right. And then, yeah, once you're an adult, (laughs) go do whatever you want. You made that choice on your own. Right. But yeah, young kids, there should be a step by step where understanding, like I said, not so much the consequences, but what it means to you. I agree with that. I think we're kind of on a similar page about that. I'll always read comments responding to like various posts and articles talking about trans men being real men and trans women being real women. And personally, I don't think it's a matter of real or not. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering why we can't address the fact that there's a ton of differences in a variety of ways Mm -hmm. between us Mm -hmm. without being quote unquote bigoted. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's phobic? I hate that word. I Mm -hmm. hate that word or hateful for someone to say or identify that you and I are different kinds of men Mm. because we've had different experiences. Right. And some people don't like to talk about it, but you've expressed that you're willing to talk about it, that Mm -hmm. you lived a majority of your life as a woman. I don't have that experience. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it feels like to be a Mm -hmm. woman. You do. Mm -hmm. We have different physical bodies. We have different experiences for our entire lives. Mm -hmm. And our experiences may have become more similar Mm -hmm. over your past year, Mm -hmm. but we are still different. Yeah. I don't understand, and I think that's the question I'm asking, why a lot of people feel so upset by addressing that and Mm -hmm. jump right to you being hateful. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel like us having this conversation and addressing that is hateful. I don't feel hateful towards you or anyone else. But it seems like a lot of people feel as soon as you address that mm-hmm. and you're, quote, invalidating mm-hmm. a trans person, yeah. even if that's not your intention, mm-hmm. that it's hateful. This is where it's kind of like understanding certain social cues about people having a conversation. Mm-hmm. I always find within these, you know, let's say slightly taboo ideas within talking about the trans community, it's all about the tone and the reason. Mm-hmm. If it's a matter of, okay, our bodies are different. You're not saying that with malice. You're not, and you're, that's not invalidating. It's the, I'm trying to understand is when we see certain wording on articles, on certain things that it comes off more as a level of judgment. Right. Or once again, that segregation factor of you're not real. Go, you know, you can't have any of like these privileges in a sense. Right. 
That's where which I think, is stupid. And because for certain people, especially people who are once again stuck on the internet all day and see all of this hate, mm-hmm. it builds this wall in a yeah. lot of the trans community of we're so scared that any person who said something that doesn't you know fit that comfort. You're going to hate us. You're going to hurt us. We're scared we're going to go into a corner. Right. And we'd rather just get rid of you instead of talk. I think that is also just, that can be just as bigoted in its own right. It's learning to assess that situation. I have had talks with multiple people throughout, I, you know, people, non-family members where we'll talk about things and they will be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about asking these questions. I just, nobody ever answers. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Did I'm like, are you saying this because you want to hurt me? Right. No. All right, bet. Like, let's talk. Right. I I remember I was at one of my last jobs. And also understanding cultural as well, I think, is so important when it comes to how questions are. I had a coworker who was non-white. Um, I believe she was mixed race. I don't want to make too many assumptions mm-hmm. on that. But she would refer to a lot of the women in the office as mommy. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of just a pet name that she gave everyone. Yeah. And she would occasionally call me mommy and she would get so upset and being like, I think I'm being offensive. I'm being transphobic. And I would laugh. Yeah. I would howl like a motherfucker. And I'm like, it's okay. Like I said, it's it's the intention. It's the lack of malice. Like I said, I don't see any hate in how you're addressing or talking. Right. And then I whispered, I went and as she hugged me to say she apologized, which whatever, it was her thing within and I whispered in her ear, I'm like, besides, I don't look like much of a poppy right now. <laughs> and, she, and she left too, and it was all good. It Once again, it's that tone. And the understanding of where you're coming from, I think, is why people get so, you're invalidating. Right. You're not invalidating me. You're just curious. Right. I also think it is about emotional intelligence. Oh, yeah. And you're a very intelligent person. I try to and think so. <laughs> you're pretty rational. And you can look at something and be like, okay, is this this or is this that? Nope, this isn't that, it's this. We're good, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like a lot of people don't do that. They just have such an emotional reaction so Mm -hmm. quickly without really listening to what the person is saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the trouble starts. Part of that is conditioning from people around them. I've talked to a lot of parents when it comes to teens and even young adults. Mm -hmm. Because of COVID in those years, we were locked away. Younger people did not have time to emotionally develop in having this conflict resolution face-to-face, understanding, having, like, being able to just interact besides what we see on the internet where we're stuck behind a keyboard. So then we get this, my view is the only way I'm too afraid to have a challenge in my life. Right. So, like, parents will come to me and be like, why is, like, my 17, 18-year-old acting like such a freshman? And I'm like, that's because they're emotionally there. Right, right. You know, they got you, stuck. Yeah, you and I got lucky where we were sent kind of adults. I mean, whatever. Yeah, where wherever oh. we were. I I say this all the time. I shouldn't say it because you know people suffered, but I had the fucking time of my life on, during 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great time. No, I listen. It was I comfy. wasn't suffering at all. No. <laughs> you know, I was I was lucky in the fact that with my job, I could work with home without any worries. Right. You know, I didn't have a terrible time, but we see for the younger people how fucked they were. Right especially where their only reliance is on sometimes social media, other platforms where right. we've seen, like I said, the echo chamber and it's so much. Right. So no, for me, mm-mm. 
There's a community of people known as detransitioners. Yes. Detransitioners are people who have transitioned from one gender to another. Mm-hmm. And at some point they've come to realize that they don't believe they made the right choice for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they begin their attempt at reversing the changes they've made. Yes. Um, this community is very vocal on forums and social media outlets like Reddit and Twitter, mm-hmm. YouTube, etc. They're often used in anti-trans arguments by people as like a look, look, see, mm-hmm. this isn't the answer. What are your thoughts on detransitioning? Why do you think some people are faced with regret after these changes? I think part of it can go hand in hand, like the story you just told where, you know, as a kid, you thought this, maybe you were, maybe you thought you were a woman. Sometimes people will make that jump of a decision too fast without having that proper understanding. Right. Where maybe it wasn't this, it was that. So because of this, I'm going to detransition. I'm actually the gender I was assigned with at birth. And maybe some people will take that and be like, I want to do it like a PSA of if you're not sure, you know, maybe this this was a bad thing for me. It could be a bad thing for you. Right. Then it blows out of proportion. Right. You know, just as trans people going one way, you, you can detransition. There are a million ways to do it. Right. Thanks to science, we can do a lot of cool shit with our body. Right. That's why I say nothing's permanent. I mean, there's also like making wrong choices is any facet of life. Oh, yeah. You know, have you has anyone looked at bad tattoos? A hundred percent. Right. Should we ban people getting tattoos because some people get fucked up ones and then they want to get it ripped off? Oh, shit. My cover up. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You covered some? Oh, yeah. Well, I only had one cover up, which in the irony of our trans discussion was a Harry Potter one. Oh, but it wasn't based on the J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. It was so it was a Deathly Hollows as an A. And then it was always like that, you know, like the Snape bullshit. Yeah. One of the main reasons was because the letters were in papyrus Mm -hmm. and I'm not a seventh grader making an Egypt presentation. (laughs) Um, The other is just the story of like how Snape looking at it from a different lens of how that it was actually a lot grosser than people thought it was like this true thing. Right. So, yeah, I had my ass cover it. Thankfully, with that cover up, I found my favorite tattoo artist. He's done most of my work. I've also have another one where I got it at a tattoo convention it's supposed to be a cat as a rice ball. It's on my foot. It looks awful. I laugh at it. <laughs> but like you said, we make mistakes. Right. Shit happens. But you, if you know how to go about either living with that mistake or taking the proactive chance to change it, right. go for it. Not everyone's going to be right on every account. Is there anything that you regret about your transition? Mm, I mean, besides maybe starting earlier. Okay. Um, not really. I guess, and yeah, a lot of it is just not doing certain things sooner. Mm -hmm. Like, so with like the body hair that you get with testosterone, you know, I'm starting to get little wispy hairs on my chest Mm -hmm. and seeing that with breasts is, I feel a bit off-putting sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, there really isn't much in it. I'm very happy with how things have gone. The support has been relatively good. The only thing I want to eliminate is sometimes that imposter syndrome. Right. Of is this reality? Is I feel this- like that takes time though. Oh yeah. I feel like as you continue to live as your new self, mm-hmm. is that the right way to say it? Um, I don't think it really is so much of a new self. It's a true self. Okay, great. Let's use that one. Cause when we have this idea of like, I was like, like a Phoenix reborn into a new person. Right. It kind of gives this idea of this. It gives that choice factor in right. it where I've always been Lee. 
Right. It's just we didn't have the language or understanding. I'm just like I said, I'm still the same person. Right. I'm not wearing the weird, funny shirts I wore in high school, but I'm just the same person. Right. We just kind of shuffled it up a little bit. Right. Pulled a uno reverse on my gender, if you will. <laughs> so as you live as more of your true self, I feel like the more and more time you spend, mm -hmm. the more comfortable you'll become yeah. with that person. Oh, yeah. You know? I, or with with your physical body. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and where that fits. That's why I sometimes find instead of transition, what is the um, transformation sometimes. Oh, I like that. It's kind of more so kind of like that Cinderella factor, you know, fairy godmother might maybe meaning doctors or support otherwise, you know, wave their magic wand and we see ourselves having the little ball again. Right. You know, but midnight's never going to come for most of us. Midnight, we're just living our best lives. We are hooting it up, hollering. Yep. We just want to be us. We finally feel relief. It's like you had a, let's say you had the worst pain on the planet, like physical, like you cut your arm, you're bleeding out. You finally took that painkiller and you finally have that sigh of relief. Right. That's like us. Our bodies have been like on fire in pain and with the medication, us taking these steps to be ourselves, right. we finally can have that sigh of relief. Talk about some of the work that you're doing as a counselor. So right now, I do work in private practice. I am very blessed to be with the company I am at. Um, I do a lot of work, like I said, within the trans LGBT community. I do a lot of work with complex trauma, personality disorders. Basically, if I don't have a crisis person a day, it feels weird. I've always been very attracted to crisis mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for maybe it's just because of my own life. Okay. But we I just do a lot of work with, like I said, people understanding themselves, right. especially within people who have come to me being like, I think I'm trans or I'm starting to help me understand. So we'll do a lot of work on that where I'll always sit and be like, so what is gender to you anyways? Like. Yeah, man, woman in between, like, why, what does this speak to you? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go with people about sexuality. Sometimes the conflict that occurs where, okay, you came out and you're being ostracized by your family. How do we deal with this? You know, within that concept. Right. And a lot of people will come to me as a trans person because I have that emotional understanding. Right. Sometimes I may answer questions about how I went about it in my life. Sometimes not. It's like, no, 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 this is your world. You know, I think the phrase I always use is like, this is your, you know, this is your rodeo. I'm just a circus clown on the side <laughs> where it's really just sitting and learning. It's an open space for them to say anything without that sense of judgment. You know, I am true. I love my job. Right. Working with the vast populations. And it gives me my own personal growth of hearing people's stories, you know, being with someone as they finally make a decision or coming in like I had a teen come in in a virtual and being like I finally got approved for those puberty blockers you know I finally don't have to worry about this or you know my mom finally bought me that skirt I was looking for mm -hmm. and it finally feels so good right and I want to fucking cry yeah I a lot of my clients no matter what age I have some that are like closing in on like Medicare age mm -hmm. when they come in with like the sense of growth transgender brain goo otherwise you feel like a proud parent. Right. That's what I really see being a counselor as, is being that parent, helping someone grow, change, and challenge themselves. Right. And when they decide to disengage or lower, it's like the, there's a difference being made, not by me. I'm just the asshole that listened, but you're finally feeling good for yourself. Right. And it's like watching a kid graduate. Yeah. 
So to me, that's maybe that's why I don't need children. I have plenty of them own that right. I get to see for an hour and send home. Yeah, but no, and, and make an impact on. Yeah. You know, having the people who will tell me that I've made an impact, you know, usually I will pass it off and be like, oh, no, no, it's just me. And then, like I said, I close the door and then like want to cry for a bit. <laughs> and then and then I'll be like, I can't cry if someone else in the waiting room. Yeah, like, right. Shit. I'll wait till I get home. <laughs> no time for that. No, I'll wait till I get home slump on the couch and Max is like, how, you, how was your day? And I'm just like, some parts were wild and crazy. Other parts leave me to cry because they, they made my feelies so good. <laughs> <laughs> what is your advice to young people, I guess people of any age, but specifically young people who are struggling with their gender identity and don't know what to do or may not come from a supportive environment? Um, there is, That's where the good part comes in being uh, a part of the online communities is taking the time to learn. Um, there are resources like if you are struggling and it becomes into a mental health crisis, that's why we have the Trevor Project for a lot of things. You know, we're on Long Island. I adore the LGBT network because they also have resources around of maybe like approved places of, you know, just getting better to be around people who understand you. There is this loneliness that comes with coming out of I'm not like everyone else. I don't know where to start, where to go. And it's just getting that baseline of having just some form of support right. online or otherwise mm -hmm. that really is so, so necessary to feel like you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes watching certain people as they're transitioning and going, wait, if they can do that, I can too. Right. Some of my favorite trans reddits will have these side by sides of like, you know, this is before I started HRT and this is like six, eight months later. They look like a different person. Right. You see the eyes brighter, the smile, and it gives the sense of hope of I can be there too. Right. Maybe not right now, but soon there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There right. is a dawn in this darkness. Um, if there is this lack of acceptance, like I said, it's finding other people. Maybe there is that chance for education. I don't know how hate some people's deep, like the well goes for people. And if you do feel you are unsafe, it sucks to say that you might have to stealth, which is just, you know, staying in your assigned gender until you can be in a good place. There is that safety factor. You do not want to end up homeless, you know, in a winter like this. Right, right. Because that is so prevalent. Right. I was doing a, a continuing education course for a, a nonprofit about, you know, working with the trans community. And a lot of it was showing the instances of suicide attempts, homelessness, and all of that of how do we work and find that support? Right. Because you are making a huge decision. We talked about before that part of the reason I wanted to do this with you and was so excited mm -hmm. was because that I feel like you and I are similar in the sense that you don't make being trans your entire identity. Mm -hmm. It's not who you are. Mm -mm. It's part of you. It's a facet. <laughs> right. And I feel the same way about being gay. Mm -hmm. It's not who I am. Mm -mm. It's part of who I am. I'm so many other more important things. I'm a good friend. Mm -hmm. I'm a creative person. I'm a hard worker. There's so many other aspects to me that are so much more important mm -hmm. than the fact that I like men. Yeah. So part of why I was so excited to have this conversation with you is because you're not like that either. Mm -hmm. You just are who you are and mm -hmm. you don't need to talk about it nonstop mm -hmm. and make it your entire identity. What is your favorite part about you outside of being transgender? 
Uh, Since this entire conversation okay. has been about yeah. being transgender. It, so I guess my favorite part, you know, actually within this, as you can see, I adore besides, you know, a lot of the nerdiest parts of me. Like, I, I think I spend more time on video games and like Twitch than and mm-hmm. Reddit than anything yeah. else. I will. I identify more as a gremlin than as a man. <laughs> but my favorite part about me actually is more so my humor of having that quick wit having that charisma about me mm-hmm. where i'm gonna make you uncomfortable for the right reasons same i'm gonna say the things that no one else will say mm-hmm. and i think i've actually made it a goal whenever i have dinners like with my mom and like some of the family like the one time a week or whatever i wait for that opportunity to say something to watch my mom just like her eyes just go <gasps> yeah yeah and it's not about once again being trans being anything it's just something so fucking terrible mm-hmm. that you don't know where to pick up. Right. That's what I love is I'm the same way. my lack of filter for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. There are times where I know I have to filter. Of right? course. I have to be a good little boy. <laughs> but having the ability for me to use that not giving a shit to make people laugh is to me my greatest asset about me. I love that. What is the number one thing you want people to take away from this conversation? If you could pick anything that... Any, any piece of knowledge or anything that you can instill in people? What is the number one thing you want people to take away from this? Um, the two things are, like it was mentioned, fear is based in ignorance. With proper connections and proper conversations, we would be, we would be like a thousand years into the future. We'd have those like hoverboards. We'd have the flying cars, I think, if we were able to actually have conversations without this element of fear. Mm-hmm. And the other is that I always remind people, trans people aren't political. We aren't trying to like, we're not sitting there trying to overthrow stuff because, you know, we're whining. Just, just let us be. Yeah. You know, let us just walk around the street. Let us just do whatever. We want to, we want to get our groceries just as bad as you. You don't have to, you know, make a big deal of it. Right. So that I guess would be my two big things. Thank you so much for sitting down and doing this. I'm so happy we finally made this happen after all the months of talking about it. Six months in the making. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for being so open and so vulnerable. I feel like it was easy for you. I feel like you're just, you know, you're comfortable with who you are and talking about it. But I do want to make a point to say that I think that that takes a lot of courage. And I think that these are important conversations to have, especially when you're speaking to an audience that may not know that much about it. Mm -hmm. And that's my audience. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have this conversation to kind of like educate people and maybe normalize something that they feel is different Mm -hmm. and have people see that like you're just a regular person who's trying to live your life and figure your shit out Mm -hmm. the same way everyone else is. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, those people who may not understand, they might have parts about them that may be in this taboo that other people see. Everyone has a part of themselves that they might think they need to hide or that there might be that judgment. Mm -hmm. No, it's no different. You have your sides. I have mine. Right. Like I said, as I, as I joked about with, you know, I work with the King community. They have that shame factor as well. We need to eliminate a lot of these shameful parts Mm -hmm. so we can learn. So if, like I said, I make off the cuff on non-filtered comments about, the world i'm gonna make it about my life so i can start that change right like what is it the whole be the change you see in the world right no okay so if i'm gonna take the moment to use that to educate to open people up to want to just have any conversation that's what i'm gonna do yeah and if it blows up in my face and i get canceled to next tuesday i already live in a basement good luck finding me (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> You'll be doing the same thing anyway. Oh yeah, I'll just go, I'll just start working virtually as well. <laughs> All right, thank you so much again. Much love. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>